I'm Kate Daniels. Acid reflux is without question a major issue and culprit of disease in our society today. A leading authority in this area is Dr. Jamie Kaufman. She's pioneered some of the most groundbreaking research and continues this work, passionately devoted to sharing it with the world through her books, and it's such a gift to have her join us this morning. Dr. Jamie Kaufman, good morning. It is so wonderful to have this connection with you this morning. Good morning. We have such an important subject to cover that is really life-giving to people because we are going to be revisiting a subject that it's been several years since we spoke with your book at that time that was the Dropping Acid, the Reflux Diet Cookbook and Cure. And at that time, we touched on the issue of reflux. The, it's really the silent disease, silent killer. Now, the new book, Dr. Kaufman's Acid Reflux Diet, is really phenomenal. But I think well, I know what you are saying is that the two are really companion pieces that work together, correct? Yeah, dropping acid, the reflux diet cookbook and cure, sort of what I learned the first 25 years of practice. And Dr. Kaufman's acid reflux diet is sort of the last five years. And one of the things we wanted to do because there was demand for it, we also wanted to include a gluten-free and, and vegetarian recipe. So the first book has more generic recipes that are more acceptable to everyone. And the second book has more of the, I'm, by the way, gluten-free, uh, but not vegetarian. So, you know, the two books are companion books. I think about the first book, Dropping Acid, is the basic book, and Dr. Kaufman's Acid Reflux Diet is the advanced book. And that is what we will be focusing on this morning. But again, they are companion pieces, work perfectly together, because we need to understand what the issue is. And this disease, reflux, has not gone away. Would you say it's actually increased? Well, we know it's increased. At this point, reflux affects almost half of the American population. I think the big real paradigm shift, the real epiphany that's occurred is that reflux is not just about heartburn and indigestion. Everybody knows about that. But it turns out silent reflux, or reflux that occurs at night while a person's asleep, the backflow of stomach contents into the throat, into the respiratory tract, into the nose and the sinuses, into the voice box, into the lungs, turns out to be probably a bigger, more expensive, more misdiagnosed, and more profound problem than actually the problem of heartburn, which is so familiar. And in fact, it's not uncommon for people to just say, oh, I'm having some heartburn going on right now. You're saying half the population is dealing with this. Half have silent reflux. Silent refluxes have post-nasal drip, sensation of too much mucus, chronic throat clearing, things like chronic cough, hoarseness, difficulty breathing even asthma, and actual sinus disease may be related to reflux. And this season, I've heard the doctors saying that we have had some of the worst symptoms of that going on here in our community, and they kind of look at what the climate is doing. But really, what we need to be looking at is what we're eating. Isn't that so, Dr. Kaufman? Indeed. In fact, uh, summer is the biggest reflux time of the year for many people, particularly the silent reflux. By the way, 
silent means no heartburn. It's not obvious that it's reflux. And the reason is it's light later. We eat later. We entertain later and so on. And so what happens is that people tend to have more silent reflux during the summer. And the silent reflux is the one that causes post-nasal drip and all these other symptoms. And another key issue as we're talking about our health conditions and disease, you have stated in this book, and I think we may not know this in general, though, but you state this, Dr. Kaufman, that esophageal cancer has greatly increased. Well, if you look at the actual numbers, esophageal cancer has increased 800% in the last 40 years to become the fastest growing in terms of its incidence cancer in America. It is caused by reflux. Um, The purple pills, the kind of medicines that everyone thought would cure reflux haven't done so. And uh, so this uh, reflux epidemic, by the way, reflux has increased 400% um, itself. And then there's the cancer issue. Um, This has all happened in our lifetimes. It's all happened as we've changed our diets and our lifestyles. And in fact, my work and my focus is really about what does constitute healthy eating. Um, Before going on, I would say that the obesity epidemic, the diabetes epidemic, the reflux epidemic, the cancer of the esophagus epidemic, the bone loss in women epidemic, the asthma epidemic, the sleep apnea epidemic, they're all really just the same epidemic, it looks like. And that's where all of this comes together in the... Dr. Kaufman's acid reflux diet, because this is more recent, just the last uh, few decades really have seen this increase, and it is related to what we eat, isn't it? Right, and lifestyles, what we eat and when we eat it. So it would seem that the solution should be pretty simple. It's not the purple pills. It's not uh, using any of the inhalers or the puffers and that sort of thing. Those are just putting Band-Aids on. And, and, and might they even encourage people to increase what they're doing that's harmful? Well, the, you know, sort of the American way, you know, eat what you want and take a pill. Um, that actually is not working out. Of all the different studies that have come out, bashing um, proton pump inhibitors, which are the powerful acid suppressants that everybody sees on TV and everywhere else in the media. Um, There is data suggesting that these pills are associated with heart disease, kidney disease, bone disease, and even Alzheimer's. But by far, at least in my opinion, the most compelling case against these medications There's a national Danish study that was published in 2014, studied 10,000 patients. And what they found was long-term use of these pills was associated with an increased, increased, not decreased, increased risk of esophageal cancer, to which I sort of responded, duh. So why? It's not that the pills cause cancer, but it's that the disease goes on unabated with fewer symptoms if you take medication. So it gets back to the basic root cause, which is diet and lifestyle. So that, as you said, is going to make a difference with acid reflux, but it's also associated with all these other epidemics that we have been facing. By looking at our diet and lifestyle, we're going to be able, that's the only way really 
to, would you say, reverse even, not just... It is uh, the only way. Yeah. It is the only way. And, you know, for listeners, one of the great profound truths in this area is you cannot have your cake and eat it too. And that is not literally just about cake. People who skip breakfast, hardly have but a, a snack for lunch, get home late, maybe they go and to the gym or exercise after, have childcare responsibilities, and then they essentially, at the risk of sounding crude, go to the trough from the time they really get home to the time they go to bed, pretty close to 100% of those people have serious reflux disease. Maybe it's called sinus disease or allergies or asthma, or uh, maybe it's obviously heartburn. Maybe they have sleep apnea. All of these things are really, really caused by the big, huge refueling meal late. And then, of course, plop on the sofa, um, tired, long day, reflux starts then. Maybe get up and have a dessert. By the way, you know, portion control is a big issue. You know, a pint of ice cream is not a snack, a dessert, and so on. And so then such people reflux all night, and maybe they don't have heartburn, maybe they don't wake up. And then, uh, sure enough, they have all these symptoms during the day. Uh, for all people who use their voices professionally, if you wake up in the morning with a sore throat, hoarseness, um, you know, sort of a coughing up a glob of stuff, it's almost certainly reflux. So just think about how our morning begins and we'll be able to determine without going to a doctor, whether this is something that we're dealing with. And it's the silent one. We might think, oh, it's just kind of crept up and and it's natural, but it's not. It's not natural. It's not, you know, whiskey, you know, whiskey voice in the morning is not okay. And by the way, there's something called the reflux symptom index, which I developed uh, in the early 80s. It is a uh, nine-question uh, questionnaire, you just circle from zero to five for these different symptoms. It's available in all of the books. It's available online. It's available on my website. If you take the uh, reflux symptom index and tally up your score, and your score is 15 or more, uh, and by the way, people who have silent reflux often have many of the symptoms, not just one. They have hoarseness, and they have swift throat, and they have post-nasal drip and all that. If your tally is 15 or more, we know um, from studies that your chances of having documented uh, reflux into the respiratory tract or respiratory reflux is better than 90%. So with that, um, you know, two-minute quiz is really something that people can look at, and, and particularly also people who are under treatment for conditions that aren't getting well asthma treatment, so it's not getting the asthma fixed, the breathing problems still there, um, allergies that, you know, the allergy shots haven't gotten it. Um, and people have had sinus surgery, particularly multiple sinus surgeries, um, who still have the same symptoms as when they started. So that these are all red flags. By the way, the biggest red flag is if you wake up in the middle of the night coughing and gasping for air like a fish out of water. Uh, that's a serious kind of reflux and suggests that your lungs are at risk. And even, by the way, um, people who get recurrent pneumonia, uh, most of the time that kind of pneumonia is a reflux event. Um, it's interesting, in, in the elderly, one of the more common causes of death is 
called community-acquired pneumonia. What that means is that they didn't actually culture a pathologic bacteria um, from the pneumonia. Well, here's what I think happens. I think what happens is they get, you know, say, ginger ale and a chocolate pudding before bed, and it's the ginger ale and chocolate pudding that ends up in the lung at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, they die of a ginger ale chocolate pudding pneumonia. So, you know, one of the real, you know, Jamie Kaufman caveats is really bedtime snacks are, are a no-no, particularly for children with asthma. Um, nightcaps, having a, a, a scotch or a, or a cocktail before bed is really asking for trouble. And so all of these things sort of coalesce to form what you really, um, I mean, what we really all ought to be talking about at its core, which is what does constitute healthy eating. Because healthy eating is, the, is really the only way to fight reflux. It's the only way to fight obesity, diabetes, and all these other things. And then this begs the question of sugar addiction and a lot of the other kinds of things that have got us in this pickle. And we've gotten into, as you say, into this pickle in just the last several decades because that's when we saw this huge boom of all the uh, these foods, packaged foods, processed foods on our grocery shelves, supposed to make life so much simpler, and yet look what it's doing to us. Well, the first book is called Dropping Acid, um, <clears throat> The Reflux Diet Cookbook and Cure, for good reason. Uh, one of the great um, discoveries was that the Food and Drug Administration in 1973 made uh, people who were manufacturing pretty much anything in a bottle uh, or can to put acid in if it was not already acidic. And the acid was added to kill bacteria. You've never heard of anybody uh, complaining of getting E. coli or something from drinking a soda pop. The problem, unfortunately, was that the FDA said you had to have a certain amount of acid, but nobody ever said to manufacturers, don't put in too much acid. And so almost everything except water, including things that are healthy, including things that are labeled organic, um, have the same acidity now as stomach acid. It's all pretty much in the two point, uh, pH 2 to 3-ish range. And so we know that this causes problems for people who have reflux. And so the, uh, one of the big, big, big um, recommendations that I have besides eating your dinner early, besides eating a reasonable uh, breakfast and lunch, is to avoid um, soft drinks, uh, all of them. And um, even, even uh, I, had a, I had a professional singer who was starring in a show on Broadway uh, who had terrible reflux come in, and she was all proud of the product she was carrying, which was coconut water. It was all natural, all everything, everything, blah, blah, blah. And what it had in it was the coconut water and vitamin C. And I said, hmm, vitamin C, that's ascorbic acid. I wonder why they added vitamin C. And sure enough, even though it's said all over the packaging, all natural and uh, so on, when we measured the acidity, it was highly acidic. So, you know, the, the FDA has not done the American public uh, uh, any service in terms of packaging. Uh, we, we wanted to get the acidity of things, the pH scale, the acidity scale on uh, packaging, nutritional labels. We couldn't do it, um, and so on. So, you know, the FDA has, in my opinion, 
um, serve the food industry very well and not serve the American public so well. So a lot of these additives are really nasty. A lot of these additives are carcinogenic. And so uh, in addition to avoiding soft drinks and eating late and spreading out your meals, for those of you who have common favorite things, maybe it's a snack bar or whatever, turn it over and read the nutritional label. If it has 15 unpronounceable chemicals on it, it's poison. Get rid of it. So we need to keep reading those labels because that's where we are going to find ourselves walking down a much healthier path. And really, when it comes then to those packaged foods, it's maybe better to just walk away and find a more natural, simple way to eat, like we used to do back four decades or so ago. No question. I mean, my mother had dinner on the table at 6 o'clock every night. We went out to a steak place or for Chinese food once a month. There was no fast food. There were no soda machines. But, you know, this whole question of what constitutes healthy nutrition basically can be summarized in the sentence, eat lean, clean, green, and alkaline. So lean, not too much red meat. Red meat's not bad, but that's where your trans fats come from. Clean means get rid of the chemicals. Green, we know what that means. It has the double entendre of both organic. And greens are good for you, lots of greens. And alkaline is the not too much acid. So, you know, if you have reflux, you know, going on a grapefruit diet would not be a good thing. If you have bad reflux, you know, drinking a half a gallon of fruit juice a day would not be a good thing. So, you know, drink water. And by the way, there's something to be said special. Almost all foods are either neutral or somewhat acidic. And, of course, I've already mentioned the acid added for so many things. turns out that in nature, there is a water called alkaline water. And alkaline water, it trickles through the limestone caverns for thousands of years. And alkaline is actually the opposite of acid. So if you drink alkaline water, it helps neutralize acid, it helps settle the tissue, it helps pH balance if you eat something acidic with alkaline water. So that one of the things that we've come to understand is that alkaline water is really a benefit to many, many people. And by the way, not just people with reflux. For example, we think that bone loss in women is due to acidity in the diet. And so alkaline water is probably good for men's prostates as well. So and if you don't want to buy alkaline water, you can put a baking soda in water. We use a half teaspoon per 16 ounces, and uh, that's alkaline, and that'll neutralize acid. As a matter of fact, Benjamin Franklin used to do that for his heartburn, you know, way back in the day. Now, thinking of when he lived and he had heartburn at that time, he probably was eating in an unbalanced way, perhaps doing that lifestyle of eating too late at night? Big meals, you know. I mean, uh, this was a robust man. And by the way, just being overweight contributes to nighttime reflux. You know, when you're standing up, you have gravity, so stuff is less likely to come out of the stomach. But when you lie down, not only is gravity no longer pushing things down, but if you have a big belly, the belly, the weight of your abdomen, you know, the, excuse me, fat, is pushing on your stomach. 
so that people who have a big belly are much more likely to reflux than people with thin. These are such great, important insights. And as you've described this way of living, which, as you said, is about half the American population, we have gotten ourselves to this. Is it your feeling, because this is your work, that we can change our lifestyle and really reverse all the disease that we've created with this, particularly the acid reflux? Well, when patients come to me, particularly those that have breathing problems, either lung involvement is the most serious manifestation of that in cancer, I look at them and I say, my job is to get your reflux fixed, to have you not need me or any medications within a year, and for you to live to be a healthy old man or old lady. So that the whole idea of converting someone from an obese, diabetic refluxer with asthma and sleep apnea to a healthy person who may have, by the way, this is always a weight loss diet for those that are overweight. I had a guy come to see me who drove a train. I mean, not in New York. I mean, he a locomotive. And this guy had terrible reflux, huge guy, about 6'8", 300 pounds. And his diet was pretty much fast food, energy drinks loaded with caffeine, soda pop, and pretty much everything was fried. And his big thing was he ate a pound of chocolate peanuts every day. They just, he just sat there in a little bowl next to where he was driving the train. And this guy's reflux was unbelievable. He was not, in my opinion, you know, the kind of guy that I would have thought would get it and catch on and be willing to make big changes. Sure enough, a year later, he comes to my office. He looks like a professional athlete. Um, he carries his own little cooler with him. He proudly announces that he's got chicken breast, two avocados, two Fuji apples, some leftover uh, salmon, all these things that he cooked that he was taking with him to work. And this guy became a beacon of light so that all of his friends that had terrible diets, he was not a shy man. And so he was busy educating people all around him. And the fact that he was able to not only beat his reflux, but beat his diabetes and everything else. I mean, the blood pressure comes down, the diabetes goes away, the need for special medications for like high cholesterol goes away. So the idea that one could take hold of this whole medical uh, gestalt and transform oneself back to a healthy person, it's a pretty new idea. And by the way, it's not one your doctor is going to tell you about either. It takes too long. They're much more likely to give you a prescription and a prescription for a healthy life. So this is putting a Band-Aid over what is essentially a gaping wound. I mean, that's sort of what's wrong with healthcare today. I mean, we're really about pills and procedures. I mean, the idea that obesity should be treated by surgery, you know, the catastrophes that have occurred in patients and even in just my practice. So, you know, the reality is that this is a long-term program. It requires families making sacrifices. It requires uh, making changes in your diet and lifestyle. One of the things that I liked that was interesting, when I first wrote it, my editor wanted to take it out, and it's in the front portion of Dr. Kaufman's Acid Reflux Diet. I said, so, you're invited to a dinner party in New York on a Saturday night at 8.30. 
from 8.30 to 9.30, you have a glass of wine, some hors d'oeuvres. At 9.30, you sit down and have two or three courses of rich food with a chocolate dessert. Uh, during dinner, you have maybe your table, two more bottles of wine, and you push back from the table at midnight. You're home and in bed by one. It would not surprise me if all of those people had life-threatening diseases. One has sleep apnea. One has COPD, asthma. One's had multiple sinus surgery. And, of course, the worst of all the complications of reflux, uh, a couple of years later, one of the uh, guests, gets esophageal and cancer and dies at a young age. And everyone's so surprised as though it came without warning. So for all the foodies out there who think, you know, the Saturday night uh, dinner that goes from, you know, 8 in the evening till after midnight, beware. Some may call that the good life, but think again, that's not what it is. Well, it's not a healthy life, and it never was a healthy life, and it's certainly not working now. Dr. Kaufman, you are brilliant. You can share these stories and really make this so clear for us. And it's really so simple. May not be quite easy to do, but you share the example of the train man who's able to transform himself and gets to be this really amazing athletic looking person. We can do it. We just need to be willing to make the changes And you provide some really exciting, interesting recipes in this new book, Dr. Kaufman's Acid Reflux Diet, 111 of them. And for those who are vegan and gluten-free, it really fits the lifestyle. Well, you know, also, you know, even if you're not, you know, vegan and gluten-free, these are all the side dishes. You know, you can always roast a chicken. You can always uh, do fish. We're actually, you know, big fans of white pork and lean beef, so... Uh, Even if you're not vegetarian or gluten-free, these side dishes are great. The soups are fantastic. Phil Gelb is a a vegan chef. It's really just very creative, really beautiful, simple combinations. This is so beneficial to us to have then these side dishes. Your story, your encouragement, you're making us aware of where the problem lies, not to keep going through the same paces of those pills and the and the puffers because that's not helping. If anything, it's exacerbating the problem, isn't it? Correct. Yes. I think it's time for um, there to be a real national dialogue about what constitutes healthy eating. You know, it's sort of like global warming. People want to debate every side of everything as though there were no facts. There are facts when it comes to diet. You know, excessive trans fats are a problem. By the way, um, there are 80% of products in the supermarket have sugar added. So here's an example. We talked about reading labels. So I personally like cook with chicken stock. A vegetable stock often has onions. On. I have problems with onions, so I like chicken stock. I don't want to be boiling chickens every week. So I buy. turns out that almost every brand has sugar added. But if you look carefully, I found a lovely brand that has uh, got uh, no sugar added. And so that's the one I buy. And when I buy chicken stock, I stockpile it. I buy, uh, you know, three or four containers of it because it lasts a few months. I have it in my house ready to go. I poach fish in it. I use it for soups. I use it for pretty much everything. But it's the one that I pick that doesn't have sugar. And that, we Uh, know, too, is a huge culprit. Well, I mean, there's sugar in everything. I mean, who would have thought that all of your condiments have sugar? 
I was getting a, a breakfast cereal one day, and I, I realized at my house in North Carolina, the supermarkets are bigger than they are in New York, and the cereal row went as far as the eye could see. There must have been a million boxes of cereal there, and I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and except for oatmeal. So I finally got to the grocer, and I said, listen, do you have any breakfast cereals that don't have sugar? And he said, no, we do have reduced sugar. So they all have sugar in them. What it says is that the, the food industry thinks that people are sugar addicts and want sugar and everything, and they want the sweetener, and then nobody's ever said no. I mean, the FDA certainly has not said it. And uh, the, the public is just now starting to be reluctant uh, and uh, start to, to complain about uh, these products. So, I mean, I think the tide is turning, but it is going to be you know, a long battle could go in the supermarket, most of the food's not food. Exactly. And that's why reading this material, hearing you speak, Dr. Kaufman, and deciding that we have to make these changes in order to get healthy and stay healthy, you are doing us the greatest service. And I so appreciate your dedication. You are definitely a beacon of light in this whole system of how to get healthy with our foods. And I thank you so greatly for your work and certainly thank you for taking all this time with us this morning. Thank you. And you're very kind. I appreciate this opportunity.